Hello, and welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast. I'm Ray, coming to you from the Park MGM here in Las Vegas. It is Wednesday, November 20th, 2019. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be covering a lot of uh, Vegas topics today, but we are going to be talking about a couple cruise things that have been going on, some news. Uh, so with that in mind, we're going to jump right in. I'm trying something new today. So if you watch the clips from this podcast on YouTube, I've got a very different lighting setup uh, that's either going to look awesome or ridiculous. So uh, check us out on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash vacation impossible and uh, find out. Uh, you can see what this podcast looks like and you can let me know, uh, you know, do I look like the Crypt Keeper or is this actually an amazing shot? I don't know. So I'm currently at the Park MGM and uh, I actually have a pretty good view um, behind me, uh, out my window. And so I'm actually just, uh, I've set it up so I'm lighting myself, but not getting hopefully too much glare off the window. Uh, so let's just dive in. Um, so yeah, the trip so far has been pretty amazing. Um, you know, I had some, uh, I had some challenges getting out of Vancouver. <laughs> I had, a, I had, um, uh, a cheap flight at least. And so one of the main intentions behind this trip was to see how cheaply one could do Vegas uh, if you were smart about it. So my round trip flight was less than 300 Canadian on Air Canada. Uh, so that was a pretty good deal. But um, when I got up in the morning, uh, there were a couple challenges. My, uh, my shaver had died. It wouldn't turn on at all, even though I had charged it the previous night. And then when I was having my shower, uh, there were temperature fluctuations like mad. Uh, so I had to have a very abbreviated shower. And then the drive to the airport, there was a major accident slash police incident. So, um, but thankfully, because I do have things like my Nexus card that gets me through security quickly, and I schedule things so that I always try to arrive at the airport at the time that is recommended. And a lot of those recommended times on the surface can seem a little silly, but it's a good idea. I mean, it's been argued that it's just so that you're at the airport spending money at the airport and there may or may not be a valid uh, concern there. But uh, I like the idea of having that extra time in case something does go sideways. And even with my Nexus card, which is, you know, a trusted traveler, um, and you know what? I can't recommend getting a Nexus card enough. It's some of the best $50 I've ever spent in travel. It costs you $50 and it lasts for five years. And it helps you uh, at the land crossing between Canada and the United States. There's the Nexus line that is much faster. Uh, it, when you see the border weight, divide by 10. So if there's a 30-minute border weight for Nexus, it's about three minutes on average has been our experience. That alone is worth it. But on top of that, uh, you get faster uh, security clearance at the airport. So there's often Nexus lines um, in Canadian airports so that you don't have to go through as much rigorous security screening. You keep your shoes on and things like that. And it's a faster, shorter line because these are people who have been vetted and have some experience traveling. So Nexus card is amazing. And it's part of uh, the Global Entry Trusted Traveler Program. Why is that important? Because when you're flying domestically within the United States or even internationally out of the United States, you get TSA pre-check, which is, again, uh, a shorter, faster, less intrusive line for security. Uh, and so if you are running behind, if the unexpected does happen, um, or, you know, I've been in airports where I've been kicked out of the airport 
with a connecting flight. Uh, it's happened to me in uh, Chicago. It's happened to me in Calgary, and I probably somewhere that doesn't start with a C. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, that is, uh, yeah, uh, and that's 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 stressful. There was one time where um, we were unfortunately performing select scenes unintentionally from Home Alone, running through the airport trying to make a connection, and we got to the gate with literally six minutes to spare. Uh, and so, you know, that was a connection. So, I mean, that's on the airline and the airport, but we made it. And if we didn't have our nexus, I don't, I don't think we would have made that connection. Um, and so it's, it's really quite worth it. I strongly recommend nexus. I can't recommend it enough. Um, and so, you know, the application process isn't that rigorous. You do have to physically go into a local um, sort of customs and border security office, generally at your local airport, uh, and they will take some fingerprints and they may or may not scan your retina. Um, and it's, it's painless. You just look into a thing a couple of times and you put your fingers on a little glass plate and you push down. And that's about it. They might ask you a couple you know, questions about where you used to live or where you used to work or something just to make sure that your history is accurate and stuff like that. But it's it's really, if you have a passport, and you have to have a passport before you can get Nexus, but if you have a passport, uh, it is amazing. I highly recommend it. And the renewal process is super easy. You just do it online. They just, they and, they and then they mail it to you. You don't physically have to go anywhere. You don't have to get a new picture. They just renew it and send it to you and you're good for another five years. After you pay your 50 bucks and just do a simple online renewal. So it's absolutely fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I, I'm here in Las Vegas. And one of the reasons that I am here in Las Vegas is because I was meeting up with a fellow YouTuber named Ace of Vegas. And he recently did a video about uh, someone that he knows, another channel, I believe. Uh, and they had lost their ID when traveling. Now, the thing about that was, in that case, it was an American person who was only traveling domestically. So there wasn't issues of customs and international border crossings. Um, but nevertheless, having another piece of ID is a good idea in case you lose one. Uh, so, you know, I've got my ID, I've got my passport, and I've got my Nexus card. So, um, you know, I, I always have my Nexus card on me, so I'm ready to go at a moment's notice. If somebody calls me up and says, hey, Ray, let's go down to Seattle, uh, I'm like, yeah, ready to go. I have what I need. Now, technically, when you have the Nexus card, you are supposed to also have your passport with you. Um, but in all of my journeys, I've never actually uh, had that as a requirement through a land crossing. Um, but airport, uh, yeah, that's that's often because it's easier to scan. Their systems are set up for it a little bit better. So that's something to bear in mind. Um, and so you do want to have your, your passport. But let's say you lose your passport, you have your nexus or vice versa. Uh, it probably, you know, you have more options. So uh, in terms of a little worst case scenario planning, but also just ease. It makes travel uh, less stressful and more civilized. And, and so I just, I can't recommend it enough. I've talked about it before on the podcast. But uh, one of the reasons I'm covering this again is I definitely want to include this as a tip video on our YouTube channel because we haven't done that before. And I really want to get the word out about this because uh, I think the more people who are pre-cleared, the faster it goes for everyone. And then if there's less stress, that's fantastic. So one of the challenges, however, on this particular trip was that um, 
I, uh, when I got to the Nexus screening line, they had a trainee on the scanner. And so that backed things up quite a bit as well. Uh, so, you know, the backup's mounted, but eventually I was able to get through and I wasn't that delayed all told. Uh, so I still had time to go to Tim Hortons and I actually did a live stream from the Tim Hortons at uh, Vancouver International Airport. So uh, you can go and check that out on the YouTube channel if you want to give that a watch. It's 20 minutes of me having breakfast slash lunch and just talking about a bunch of uh, travel things and our plans. So uh, that's sort of how things began. Um, and so I am staying here at the Park MGM, and I am staying here for free. That's right. I have a free hotel room, and it wasn't that hard. Um, the way I got this free hotel room, and there should be an asterisk there, it is free except I still have to pay the resort fee, which is about $37 plus tax American. comes out to just less than $42 a day. That's an amazing price for a hotel of this quality. Frankly, for a hotel of any quality. So... Um, that's pretty good. And the way I did that was by redeeming my Vegas points. So in case you don't know, my Vegas is a game that you can play in Facebook and, um, it doesn't cost you anything, although you can purchase things to, you know, increase your progress or whatever, but I didn't, I haven't spent a penny on that. Uh, and sometimes you can just kind of set it to auto spin and the thing will play itself. And so you can just leave it be while you go do something else and just check on it every now and then in case you have to click on something. Um, but anyways, you get loyalty points, which you can eventually redeem for things like free hotel stays. And so I was able to do that. And uh, I am going to be putting up a tutorial video about exactly how I did that on the YouTube channel. So do check that out. Uh, we'll be having that come out hopefully soon. Uh, I've got the screenshots and I'm going to explain exactly the redemption process. If you want to know how to get more of those loyalty points faster, I highly recommend Ace of Vegas. He's on YouTube. He's on a lot of platforms, but YouTube is where you really want to find him. He's got instructional videos that'll show you what games to play at what betting levels yield maximum results. And before I watched his videos, I just kind of, you know, did whatever, max bet all the time just to get it over with. Uh, but after watching one of his videos, um, my method, I played... Uh, the, I think it's Lake Spot of Bigfoot, <laughs> which is kind of cute. It's a little funny. Uh, and it reminds me of like The Great Outdoors, the movie with John Candy. Um, and so, as well as Harry and the Hendersons, it, it for me is like a callback to that. So, um, I, uh, I, you know, I find it kind of charming for that reason. And so what I do is I bet 40,000 chips. Uh, and then whenever I have 400,000 chips, I set it to auto spin. Because uh, then it's guaranteed to have at least 10 spins. Uh, and then I'll just go and do something else. <laughs> I will go listen to a podcast, uh, perhaps if you want to listen to the Vacation Impossible podcast while that's running in the background. That might be a good way of multitasking. Uh, you know, maybe I'll watch a video uh, on YouTube again, Vacation Impossible, check us out. Um, or, you know, I'll, I'll watch Netflix or something. Uh, and then I'll have that going in the background. I'll read a book, whatever makes sense. So um, it's a minimal investment of time and effort. Uh, and you get potentially a free hotel room. So this is pretty fantastic. So I'm here for two nights uh, and I've done a fairly in-depth sort of trip report hotel review. So look forward to that video also coming out on the Vacation Impossible YouTube channel. Uh, the short version is it's actually a pretty nice uh, hotel for the most part. Uh, the casino is much smokier than when it used to be the Monte Carlo. This is the new refresh and rebranding of the Monte Carlo, which we stayed at in 2011. Uh, 
so it is now the park MGM. Uh, the room is very nice. The check-in area is very nice. Uh, and so for what I paid, it's amazing. Uh, and so anyways, uh, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll have a video coming out soon all about what it's like. And I'll show you the room and the facilities and we'll cover it in depth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for that. I was able to meet up here with Ace of Vegas. And so we went to Public House, which is sort of a casual sports dining venue in the Luxor. And so that was quite nice. Uh, I had um, their basic burger option. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have pickles you can put in the burger. You get like wedges on the side. Um, but other than that, it was really quite good. Uh, I got a drink, which was, um, they call it the penalty box. And I felt like as a Canadian, I was visiting. And the Maple Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, are, were in town that night to play uh, the Las Vegas Knights uh, right next door. I felt like I needed to represent Canada and the hockey fans uh, and have the penalty box. $13 drink and it was sort of like a stronger Long Island iced tea functionally um, and it was very good but it was $13 and I don't know that it was $13 good it was like $10 good <laughs> I think they overcharged just a little bit although I mean that's kind of Vegas I guess there's places where you can get things ridiculously cheap hello free hotel um, but you know there's also gonna be a lot of places where you're gonna pay a premium because it's Vegas or because of the venue uh, anyways uh, the service was absolutely fantastic it was prompt it was friendly it was nice it was very welcoming I felt comfortable there which is really nice because I'd never been before um, and meeting Ace of Vegas was fantastic he's such a nice guy smart uh, well-informed he's got a million skills he speaks three languages he knows mixed martial arts like I don't know what the guy doesn't know uh, so he's an, he absolutely is an impressing person um, but in no way intimidating he's super super friendly easy to get uh, to get along with and to get to know uh, and so I can't say enough good things about him uh, I know the effort that he puts in behind his Vegas videos his my Vegas videos uh, he does a lot of research a lot of experimentation he spends his own money to see how things function in the game and the app um, and then he comes to Vegas and he implements it and shows you how it all works and so the amount of effort that he puts in really pays off the writing is strong as is his sense of humor. So if you're at all interested in coming to Vegas, I highly recommend checking him out and trying to look into the My Vegas app so you can get stuff for free. One of the things that I'm going to get for free on this trip with my loyalty points from My Vegas app, I was able to get a free dinner buffet at the MGM Grand. So I'll probably be doing that tomorrow. Um, so after we had the dinner, uh, he went to go see Ka. I was just uh, still sort of settling in. So I came back and finished unpacking and, uh, you know, uh, took care of, you know, personal hygiene issues and stuff like that after a long day of travel. Uh, and then we met up again later and we went to a place called the Foundation Room in Mandalay Bay. And this is an interesting venue. It's kind of a secret. So you have to know where to go to even find it. It's like a hidden bank of elevators in a corner of the hotel. And so we did together film a video that will be appearing on his channel that will show people how to find it. And he was able to use his loyalty points from the My Vegas app, uh, where he was able to get us access for free. A couple of things to note about it. The view is fantastic. It's absolutely breathtaking. He says it's the, uh, Ace of Vegas says it's the best view of the strip. I don't disagree. Uh, and so that was fantastic. However, there are a lot of restrictions in terms of things you can bring into the foundation room. Uh, I think part of it is because there's this balcony at the top of the hotel overlooking things. And so maybe that's the concern. I don't know. Because uh, I brought my DSLR camera on Ace of Vegas's advice. He wanted us to take some good pictures and some B-roll and some footage. Uh, that was not allowed. 
He also has a small sort of tripod selfie stick thing. It's just a hold in your hand thing. Like he puts it in his pocket. You don't even know it's there. Uh, it was funny. We were we were at Public House and he just whips this thing out of his pocket and slams down a tripod and starts filming with his phone. It was awesome. Um, but anyways, they, they didn't allow even that small tripod. But they were totally fine with us being up there with our with our phones, taking pictures and video all over the place. Um, so stay tuned for some of that. On uh, I'll have a little bit on my YouTube channel, and we'll have the more in-depth explanation of what it is and where it is and all the secrets of accessing it on Ace of Vegas's channel. It was a nice little collaboration we did, and it was very lovely of him to show me such a such a cool Vegas thing where it was like an amazing view and like a secret club, and yeah, uh, and the drink there were pretty good they were pricey um but again that's i think a premium that you pay for being at the exclusive club so um i would absolutely do that again and it's it it goes through a bit of a transition through the evening the earlier on it's like a relaxed lounge atmosphere and then as things pick up it goes into what ace of vegas calls ultra nightclub <laughs> or ultra club i think is what he called it uh where then you know you get a lot of people and there's a lot of smoking and stuff and the music gets much louder uh and it gets much more cramped and it's a different vibe so uh depending on what you're going for um that's something to keep in mind um and so it was raining. In fact, it's, it, I think it's still raining right now. It's been raining most of the time I've been here this trip. I don't think I've seen rain in Vegas before. Um, this is my seventh or eighth trip to Vegas. It was at least his, Ace of Vegas' 10th or his 10th year, I think. Uh, he's been here a lot, and he's never seen rain here before either. It kind of makes me feel at home because I come from Vancouver, and Vancouver is technically a rainforest. But... Um, it was it was nice for a little bit, like especially when it's hot and it cools you down, and that's a little nice and it's not too heavy. Um, but then you're walking down the strip in a suit, and you're like, "Does does is this suit gonna mildew later? Like, <laughs> do I have to go get my umbrella? Is it that bad?" So uh, I'm a little done with the rain. <laughs> um, so two days was enough. I've got a couple more days here, so hopefully we'll have a little break from that. Uh, one of the things I would like to do is go walk down the strip late at night with my DSLR and do like just sort of a 10-minute video of walking down the strip when it's largely deserted, but at night with a lot of lights and things. I think that would be great. I'm hoping I can record that this trip. So uh, yeah, that was totally amazing. And then uh, Ace of Vegas actually flew out the next morning. So this morning. Uh, so I've been solo for a day in Vegas. Um, I had trouble sleeping last night, uh, partly because I have an allergy to cigarette smoke. And so the, the, the casino floor that I had to walk through here at um, Park MGM, formerly the Monte Carlo, was so substantial that it kept me up uh, several hours. Uh, I was just coughing and it was it was not great. Uh, and I had had a few drinks and so I was sleep deprived and a tiny bit hungover this morning. <laughs> Full disclosure. So uh, I, I don't think I got out of the room before noon. <laughs> I took it slow and easy. Uh, and I went over to Bananos at the MGM, which is my favorite pizza place. And it's uh, it can be a little pricey. I got two slices and a large drink and it was like 20 four dollars i think uh and so it's a little pricey but it is super tasty uh i might try another pizza place or two in my remaining days here just to see um if some place can beat it but it's new york style pizza and it's very good and it used to be in the food court way at the back of the mgm grand uh, the mgm grand it's important to know is the third largest hotel in the world Given like the mega complexes in Dubai, that is a huge accomplishment. That is amazing. I have stayed at the third largest hotel in the world. I didn't even know, but I knew it was big. I didn't know it was that big. 
Uh, and so it was at the very back. It was, it was easy to get lost trying to find it. Um, but now it's at the front. It's sort of where the Rainforest Cafe used to be. So if you go in sort of the main entrance to the MGM off the strip, uh, it's on the ground floor just to the left. They have a uh, level up sort of arcade thing. Honestly, not very impressive. They have Centipede and Pac-Man and a couple other things. And it's like, they have some VR stations set up. But it's like, why is this at the front of the property? This is prime real estate. I and I didn't see anyone use it when I was there. But the nice thing was is Bananos is right next to it. And so Bananos is right at the front of the MGM. Easy to find. Easier than it used to be. But the taste is still just as good. Um, so... That was fantastic. I had lunch for that. I headed over to the Ross. There is a Ross dress for less on the on the on the Vegas Strip, um, because as I mentioned, uh, my shaver had died, so I just bought a new one. I haven't tested it out yet, um, but I picked that up and uh, walked around the Strip for quite a bit, and then uh, I went for dinner tonight. And since the theme of this trip is how cheaply can you do Vegas. I wanted to uh, check out what seems to be one of the cheaper food options. So I went to Shake Shack. Got my Shake Shack on. As I understand it, Shake Shack is a chain that began in New York and is rarely found outside of New York. I'm talking New York City as I understand it. Um, so uh, again, I had my nice New York pizza for lunch. Now I'm having this u unique sort of New York burger experience. And so it was, it was very good. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's casual fast food fare, uh, which, you know, uh, it's really good for that. Uh, the burger quality was quite good. They don't automatically come with pickles. So if you're a pickle fiend like I am, you need to ask for the pickles. Uh, but, oh, my God, the pickles are so good that they use. So you got to do it if you, if you like pickles at all. I just highly recommend it. Um, and so the cheeseburger, the cheese is nice and melted. Uh, it was, really reminds me of some of like, you know, the guy's burgers, uh, and some of the other places that I've been to, uh, also the, um, the steak and shake, uh, it's a lot like those, uh, burgers as well. Uh, so that was very good. And, uh, I ordered cheese fries and the cheese fries, when they came, they're not they're sort of like waffle cut ish sort of. I'm not sure tower cut exactly what they would be called. Um, I don't really care how my fries are cut. I like shoestring, uh, and then there's everything else in my universe. So the shape and the cut of it doesn't matter too much to me. Um, but when I looked at it, uh, I, it was not impressive the, because it's cheese fries. I could barely see the cheese sauce. It looked like it was a little squirt of a thing, and they were done. And so looking at it, I felt gypped. Uh, I'm like I shouldn't have upgraded to to those. I shouldn't have gotten fries at all. I'm just a sucker for cheese fries. So I was going to order a caramel um, shake. Because on the big menu, when you're queuing in line waiting to order, they list caramel shake. And I'm like, oh, caramel shake sounds great. But then I get closer. And when I'm up ordering, I see there's caramel sea salt or whatever. And I'm like, or salted caramel. I'm like, ah. That's not my, that's not what I was looking for. So uh, I bailed out of it. Uh, I know that they have, like they had, uh, they had some seasonal ones uh, as well, but nothing was really speaking to me. So I just got a Coke. Uh, so I, that was, that was good for saving money, but I went to a place called Shake Shack and didn't get a shake. So I feel like that might've been a little off brand. I maybe didn't give it the full uh, effort. However, the Coke, the syrup, 
percentage was nice and high. <laughs> you know, the Coke machine was, they had two uh, machines, that it wasn't a lot of a weight. One thing that's interesting is when you order, they give you a pager um, so that they call you back for, uh, for the food. And so I imagine when it's busier, it's November in Vegas. I love coming to Vegas in November because the weather's still pretty good, but it's not very busy at all. And so it felt silly having this pager because there were two people ahead of me and it was like, Five minutes later, I'm up there handing the pager right back to them. But I'm sure when they're busier, uh, either when maybe a little later in the evening, because I was there at like quarter after 5, 5.30, something like that. Maybe I was slightly ahead of the dinner rush. Or maybe it's just because this is the down season, I think, for Vegas. Uh, so there's probably times where those pagers save them, save the day and are essential. It just felt a little silly this time. But the system worked just fine. They take your name. They sign you a pager. They call out your name and the pager buzzes. So it's, it's a real belt and suspenders approach to make sure you get your food. Uh, and so I appreciate that because I want my food. <laughs> uh, so anyways, you know, I have the I have the burger and I'm drinking the Coke and that's all fine. And then I finally get around to the cheese fries and they were really good. They weren't much to look at, but the cheese sauce that they use is kind of like macaroni and cheese cheese sauce. And not like the kind you make at home, but like the kind that you would get at a relatively nice restaurant. Um, and so it it felt both in texture and more so in flavor, like I was having a cross between macaroni and cheese and french fries that was great so if anything i got a great value out of it there just wasn't much to look at um in terms of the fries the burger was beautiful it took a good picture <laughs> um but yeah that was sort of that experience and so i actually do highly recommend it so if you're here in vegas it's at the it's uh in the sort of the corner of new york new york that's on the side towards park mgm and uh, just right there on the strip. So that's fantastic. Um, but again, it was almost pouring rain when I was leaving. Uh, so I had to go duck back into New York, New York and just walk around a bit to kill some time waiting for the rain to stop. That's twice today I've had to go running into New York, New York to escape the rain because it got a little too intense. Even for me, somebody who comes from Vancouver, a technical rainforest. Rainforest is defined by number of days of rain and the amount of rainfall. We hit both metrics by a wide margin as I understand it. Uh, so I'm used to that sort of thing, but I didn't bring my umbrella with me. And again, this is a pretty nice new suit that I'm wearing here. I got a, it's my Kenneth Cole suit. I just got it recently. I don't want to get an all mildewy or whatever happens to suits. So trying to take care of that. Uh, so that is sort of the trip so far. Uh, we do have some travel plans coming up, as you've probably heard about on previous podcasts. We are going on the Carnival Panorama. We are leaving on December 14th from Long Beach, California. We are sailing to Mazatlan, Cabo San Lucas, and Puerto Vallarta. So uh, that's awesome. We've made arrangements so that we're going to be staying at the uh, Hilton LAX uh, the night before. It is always a very good idea to fly in the night before your cruise in case there's any disruption to flights uh, or anything else for that matter. Uh, so we're going to do that. Then we go uh, on the cruise. And then after the cruise, we've got one night at the Hotel Maya, which is a Hilton Doubletree, which is like just like almost next door to the to the cruise. There's like the, there's the, the Carnival Cruise, um, uh, uh, you know, port. Uh, at, in Long Beach, then next to that's the Queen Mary, and then basically right next to that is the Hotel Maya. And we've stayed there once before, uh, so that's quite lovely. Not sure what we're going to do with that day, um, but that'll be quite nice. Looking forward to it. So it's going to be our, our first time on a Vista-class ship, and it's the second ever sailing of the Panorama. So we are going to be covering everything we can. If you have questions or requests, if there's things that you want us to show you from the new Panorama, the brand new Carnival ship, do please let us know. You 
You can reach out to us in a variety of ways. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can comment below. You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at VacayImpossible. Just mention us or send us a DM, whatever works for you. Or you can email us, team at vacationimpossible.ca. And we'll be happy to do everything we can to show you what you'd like to see and uh, answer your questions about the Carnival Panorama or, frankly, any other travel topic. Uh, we, that's, that's the only thing that's booked right now. So we are dangerously getting close to having nothing booked. So that makes me nervous. <laughs> uh, the always be booked philosophy, uh, I am, I am with. It's great to have something to look forward to. I think you always need that. I think when you no longer have something to look forward to, that's when you gotta, that's when you gotta worry, you know? Um, and so... Uh, I'm looking at a few options. One of the things I really want to do is the Carnival Miracle is doing a full transit of the Panama Canal next year in 2020. I would very much like to take that. Just need to work out some logistics and see who's available to go with me. Uh, as, of, as always, I kind of keep some vacation days in my side pocket for the Mario Marathon. There wasn't one this year in 2019, but one, you know, Hope Springs Eternal. It's a great and entertaining cause for Children's Hospital, so... No pressure, Brian, but I would really like it if we had another one. And I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of fans out there that would that would like to see another Mario Marathon. It gives me another great excuse to go to Indianapolis. But speaking of Indianapolis, I am uh, strongly thinking that I'm going to go to Gen Con again this year, uh, this coming year in 2020. I enjoyed True Dungeon a lot. I talked about that on a previous podcast. Go listen to that if you if you missed it. I explained what it is, some of the challenges, and why it was really freaking awesome. <laughs> and so for no other reason than to have another opportunity to do True Dungeon and see the Mario Marathon guys. And Indianapolis is just so lovely. Uh, it's kind of like a little pocket of Canada in the United States because everyone is just so helpful and friendly and polite uh i feel right at home when i'm there and so this is a nice excuse to go um and so like i enjoy a board game or two i don't really get into like the D stuff true dungeon notwithstanding um i generally and you know this is a thing that i realize i generally like to travel for the people for the, the you know sharing uh experiences and events and things uh with people and so like on the recent road trip back in august with john 17 days 12 states and two provinces um you know and that was to gen con but really it was about you know being i mean traveling of course i do love traveling but also traveling with somebody that i enjoy spending time with uh that's a that, that can be a really key component um, not to say anything against solo travel, but I think that that's my preferred way of traveling. Um, but solo travel has its benefits too. Not having to please anybody but yourself, not having to be accountable to anybody but yourself, just doing the things that happen to flitter into your head. I had no plans for dinner tonight. And then I just watched a YouTube video talking about, uh, um, uh, shake, uh, shack. And then I was like, yeah, okay, let's go do it. Um, and I have completely ripped this hotel room apart. I've caused no damage, but my camera is currently resting on um, uh, uh, almost like a bookshelf type thing from the bathroom that I pulled out. Uh, I've got my lighting rig here. I've got all the lights off. I've got the blinds wide open and Vegas behind me. And uh, everything is quiet except for me talking. And so that can be a lot to ask of a traveling companion. So traveling solo uh, kind of allows for these sorts of things a little easier without being a burden or, or troublesome. So um, there's benefits to both. Uh, we are also considering going back to Portland Retro Gaming Expo, but they've made a change. Portland Retro Gaming Expo, for as long as I've been going, I've been going since their 10th anniversary, has always been in October. This is uh, obviously in Portland. Uh, this coming year, in 2020, it's going to be in August. Uh, 
Now, it's later in August, so it's not going to conflict with Gen Con. So I may do both. I may not. I don't believe Portland Retro Gaming Expo has announced any guests yet, and I normally wait until a Pat Contry or uh, a James Rolfe is confirmed before I buy my tickets. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, also, it's just a lovely drive down to Portland, and Portland's a lovely city. Uh, their, their motto is keep Portland weird, and they do a good job of that, but that means it's not boring, which is quite nice. Uh, we went there um, just last month in October, and uh, we ended up going for dinner at the same place two nights in a row because it was so good. This is uh, an Izzy's, which if you're not familiar with that area, um, an Izzy's is basically an endless buffet of uh, pizza, but you can also have like steak and salad and some standard buffet options. And uh, the food was amazing. The price was super reasonable. And, you know, it... Uh, uh, it was just uh, the people were so nice, and uh, there was this one particular busser guy who, like, if you could if you could hook him up to the power grid, we'd solve our energy crisis immediately. He was, uh, I said, a ball of energy, and then everyone in my group kept calling him a ball of energy afterwards, like it was his name. I almost felt kind of bad, like I hope he didn't get the wrong idea. It was meant to be a compliment, um, but anyways, you know, things like that. Um, and actually, speaking of cost, the uh, I forgot to mention. This uh, shake and steak dinner that I had was less than $15. So in Vegas, having a very nice meal and even, you know, getting the cheese fries and stuff, 14 something. Not bad at all. It's a very cost-effective way to have a nice dinner in Vegas in terms of, you know, the quality of food. And the ambiance wasn't bad either. I got a nice comfortable booth that I sat in and stuff like that. So just a little callback to that thing I forgot to mention. And of course, in 2020, we are looking at a cruise to Ensenada because we do it every single year. We have every single year uh, since 2013 inclusive. So um, when I was hanging out with Ace of Vegas here in beautiful Las Vegas, I may have done a little bit of a sales pitch because the thing is Vegas and cruises do have a lot in common. But they also have a lot that is dissimilar. So things that they have in common is, for example, that there is casinos and there's a lot of there's potentially a lot of drinking and there's areas where you can smoke where, you know, in traditional life, smoking indoors, for example, is just no longer a thing practically anywhere. And I'm all for it with my allergy uh, and also just general health concerns. But um, there's a lot that's very different because in Vegas uh, and I know we've talked about this on the YouTube channel a little bit before about cruising versus Vegas. We did that on our very first cruise where I spoke with Burton, but I've had some more experience with cruises now, so I've been giving it more thought. And now coming back to Vegas after a very long Vegas hiatus for me, um, I feel like you have to be in the know to, to do Vegas well, to not feel like you're being taken for a ride. And that takes a lot of planning and research and effort. Whereas on a cruise ship, that's kind of a concern, but honestly, it's not really so much a thing. They're generally pretty upfront about everything. There's not a lot of hidden costs. There is no equivalent to resort fees on a cruise. Yes, there are fees when you book. There are taxes and port fees. And yes, they don't show when you initially do your search, but they definitely appear before you pay, and they're part of that one total amount that you see. Depending on how you book your hotel room, generally speaking, in Vegas, it's in the fine print somewhere, and sometimes you don't know, especially if you've never been to Vegas before, you don't know until you get here, and suddenly there's an extra 20 30 40 or more dollars per day added to your bill. And you've never factored that in. And like, what sort of things does that pay for? Uh, you know, why do you have to pay it? Well, that's to cover things like the internet and the pool. 
And it's like, okay, well, the pools on the cruise ship are included. And I mean, you they're included in a resort too. You don't have the option of not paying the resort fee. Um, and yeah, okay, you get some internet. The internet's not bad. It's not amazing. Um, so, you know, I think that... Uh, to me, I find Vegas a little bit more stressful as a result. You know, it's like, oh, half price tickets. Are they really half price? You know, uh, and it's and it's sort of like as soon as you get off the plane, you feel like it's like I took a lift uh, to get from McCarran to Park MGM. And the price that I was being shown uh, was consistent throughout until I confirmed it. And then it jumped like three dollars after I confirmed it. How Vegas is that? Uh, at least in my experience, it's like these these hidden costs, you know. And, it, and the resort fee is just like the the typification of that. It's the most, uh, you know, uh, it's the easiest one to point to. Um, but I think there's there's you know there's something to it, and so it feels a little slimy. And there's always like you know uh, people are like, hey, you want to you know free free club, and then you get there and it's like actually you only got a couple dollars off the cover. It's like. That was uh, politely misleading, uh, but a little bit more bluntly, lying, <laughs> you know. And so, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. It's kind of cool when you're with someone like Ace of Vegas who knows the game. So you're not walking around like a Clyde. So you're not, you know, making those mistakes. And so you go to the cool club that other people don't know about and can't even find the entrance to and stuff like that. I mean, that's kind of fun, but... Um, it feels a little less accessible. Uh, it feels like um, you're excluding people as a result. It's like, well, you don't know. So, you know, you're not cool enough or whatever. It feels very judgy in that sense. Uh, and so I just, cruises are so much more relaxing. Um, so anyways, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also some differences. And the thing is, is like um, Ace of Vegas is all about doing Vegas super cheap, nearly free. If I, I He like makes money here. He gambles and wins, uh, you know, and he obviously puts out his videos. They're monetized. And so he, does, he, he, make, he makes a little something off of that. Uh, and so and he comes virtually for free. So like he's doing very, very well. Um, but so too are we. When we cruise, uh, we know what a good price is. I've got a whole video on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you check it out on how to know if you're getting a good price for a cruise. What is a good price? What is our trigger price? If it's above that, we say no. If it's below that, we go. Very simple and straightforward. So we know we're getting a good deal. Um, and so it's, you know, you can get a wide range and you can get some amazing deals. And Ensenada is a very cheap cruise. That's why I highly recommend a four day to Ensenada and Catalina out of Long Beach is a great option for someone's first cruise. It's four days. So it's long enough that you get to try a little of everything. You get one domestic port, one foreign port, uh, you get a sea day. Uh, so it's enough that you, it's a, it's a, it's a little sampler pack. It's the beer flight of cruises. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive. And for a lot of people flying to LA is relatively cheap. Uh, just because it is such a major transport hub, there are frequent flights, and that means that flights are often less expensive, particularly if you're anywhere, you know, in on, on the West Coast at all, um, or, you know, even even sort of central to West. Uh, don't get me started on the whole uh, Midwest definition, because the Midwest starts really far east. That's a whole, I'm going to do a rant video about that one day, but I'll probably wait until I'm in Indianapolis to do it. I was going to do it this year and I, I forgot. I was, I was uh, mesmerized by True Dungeon <laughs> and distracted by other things. So um, anyways, we're hoping that it would be really cool if, if we could make it work where Ace of Vegas might come and join us on an Ensenada cruise. So, uh, you know, uh, hit him up, uh, go, go comment on his, on one of his videos or something that you want to see him take a cruise. See if we can get him on board. He can be a, a guest, a, a star 
star of a season of Vacation Impossible. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and I did have so much fun with him. Uh, you know, we had a lot in common. We were both giant uh, G1 Transformers fans. So we were like quoting the animated movie to each other. And, uh, you know, we they're, they're, I mean, there's an age difference, but I mean... You know, it, 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 we never really felt it. I mean, it was something to laugh about, right? Um, and so we just got along so well that I'm also thinking that maybe an annual trip to Vegas of like three to four nights using the My Vegas app and just trying to get things as cheap, cheap, cheap as possible, uh, that could be fun uh, and very inexpensive. So um, let us know, you know, reach out to us uh, if you think that's something you'd like to see, you'd like us to cover more of. So uh, getting to some Q&A here on the Vacation Impossible podcast, uh, we had Photo Quintessence, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, commented on our Catalina Island travel tip video uh, asking us what makes you travel? And that's a really good question. Um, our, my simple, my personal backstory is that I grew up in poverty. Uh, we were on government assistance and through education, my family was able to break the cycle of poverty in a single generation. My mother went for adult education classes on computers, was able to get a job at a bank. Uh, and then I ended up getting an honors degree myself, uh, through, uh, the university. And so it was getting to a point in around 2001, um, and a lot of my friends were from a similar background as well. And, and my family as well. And so we were getting to a point where we started to have um, decent disposable income. We were not rich by any means, but it suddenly was the case that the door to travel had creaked open. And I couldn't wait to go through. I don't know what it was. It was a calling. I can't say where it came from. My first memory is actually of a road trip of moving from Portland to Vancouver. I was born in Portland. And about when I was three and a half, we took a U-Haul up the I-5. And my very first memory, the beginning of my consciousness, as far as I know, is I remember looking out the window of the U-Haul uh, at like a train as we were driving up the I-5. So maybe that feeds into it. I don't know. Um, it's almost like I was born on the road. I wasn't. <laughs> um, but my consciousness felt like it was born on you know, the middle of a road trip. And so I think I felt the call of the open road and seeing new and interesting things. It's just been a part of my genetic makeup, my identity, whatever it is ever since. Uh, so I think that's part of it. But also I think it was just because I, you know, I had graduated high school and it was getting to a point where we had some disposable income and we had this freedom, you know, some of my friends had driver's licenses and things like that, their own vehicles. And so it was like, I wanted to expand my uh, experience of the world and my understanding of the world. Uh, you know, Stephen Merchant says travel broadens the mind. I strongly, strongly agree with him on that. I couldn't agree more. Um, and so for me, travel, it does so many things. I don't even know where to begin. I guess chronologically, like I said earlier, having something to look forward to. There has been study after study that shows things like your work productivity actually goes up when you have a vacation to look forward to. Your mental health, your, your positivity, your energy is better when you have something to look forward to. Uh, and travel is a great thing to look forward to. So there's a lot of benefit of that. It it sparks the imagination because you you pre-visualize what will happen. Sometimes if you're like me, you might imagine the worst thing. Mr. One of my many nicknames is Mr. Worst Case Scenario. Uh, so you might be picturing, oh my God, what if like, you know, everyone I know is dead and I'm in my underwear and it's in Prague at like three in the morning. How do I get home? Like it's like it's the first Mission Impossible movie, basically, except for some reason I'm putting Tom Cruise in his underwear. I don't know. <laughs> Let's psychoanalyze that another podcast but the um 
you know, so there's that, but also, I mean, hopefully, and I've been trying to train my mind to focus more on the positive, you know, so you envision like great experiences and fun things and amazing, you know, vistas and, and meeting amazing people, seeing amazing shows, eating interesting and amazing things. Uh, and so that's a big part of it. Uh, I think when you're on the trip, um, it's a shared experience if you're not traveling solo. Uh, if you're traveling solo, you come back with some great stories to tell. And I think it rounds out your personality. I think anyone who's traveled, um, you know, outside of their own country uh, substantially, like maybe beyond the neighboring state or province, um, like I just I picture people who are at dinner parties and have nothing to talk about. Uh, for me, a mainstay is I'll just hit travel. I mean, I'm travel guy, vacation impossible. Like, of course there's that, but even going before this all became the big thing that it's becoming, um, it was like after my first trip to Europe, I felt like I could hold my own in a conversation with an absolute stranger and I could make an instant connection because I think that almost everyone either has traveled or dreams of it or wants to. Uh, and then there, there is a segment of the population, it feels small to me in the circles I travel in, uh, <laughs> pun not intended, um, there, there are some people who don't want to travel. And I find that fascinating. Uh, it's because it's so different from me and my lived experience that uh, that is an interesting conversation too. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm and, and it's great. Remaining curious is a great mantra for life. And so I, I try to remain curious. And so I'm like, why would that be? And maybe I would talk about like, okay, here's some of the things I like. Um, are those things you get somewhere else, or do you not like those things? Or you know, what do you get out of your leisure activities? That you know, things like that. Maybe you want to play video games. Maybe you're a homebody. Staycation could be your thing. To me, staycation is like a swear word. But I, you know, to other people, it's their thing, and no disrespect to them. Uh, you know, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum, as they say. Uh, you know, full respect to people's interests. But it's just, um, it's interesting to me. And so I feel like a more well-rounded person socially because, uh, yeah, if I mean even a socially awkward situation. Maybe somebody has said something that I find politically or morally offensive or just incomprehensible. I can potentially pivot to something else and be like, oh, it's interesting you mentioned that. That reminds me of this thing I saw in Venice. And then you can pivot the conversation to something that's a little safer territory. Something that's maybe a little bit more positive. Oh, I've always wanted to go to Venice, they might say. And suddenly you're not talking about politics anymore. Suddenly you're talking about something that hopefully you can have a mutual... Um, love or desire of or just it's it's I think it's common ground it's the world that we all live in and so I think also expanding our horizon uh, it gives us great perspective understanding um, when we have first world problems I don't mean to diminish anyone's problems the problems that we have are real to us um, but sometimes it's nice to have that perspective like okay um uh, I've been a little frustrated with our subscriber growth on the YouTube channel for example it keeps going up and down by like 10 subscribers because of the way that YouTube's doing some things uh, and that's a little frustrating for me but I've as an adult, I've never been afraid of not having enough money to buy food. So, <laughs> you know, um, okay, yeah, maybe that's a, that is sort of a problem for me, but I shouldn't let it keep me up nights because I know where, the, where my next meal is coming from. I have relative security. So a little perspective is nice. Uh, and it, you don't have to travel to the third world to get that. It's just to see things from a different point of view. And I also like to think that it's sort of like, uh, you know, a sampler of different choices and strategies and ways of living. And so I might see something in another country and it's like, that is brilliant. I want to steal that idea. I mean, not like go and sell it or something, but I'm like, you know, this, this way of doing something, this way of thinking, this philosophy, this whatever it is, 
uh, speaks to me or is maybe better than what I have or something that I want to internalize and like learn and grow. And, um, you know, so exposing yourself to new ideas rather than the same thing over and over again. And don't get me wrong. I love repetitiveness. I had a Coke for lunch. I had a Coke with dinner. I've played Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, uh, 2 in North America, 4 in Japan, more times than I can count. I played Birth of the Federation more times than I can count. So I, I get the enjoyment and the comfort in repetition. Uh, but it's also important to, from time to time, with I think some regularity, at least once a year, uh, I think the ideal is once every other month. <laughs> in 2016, I took six cruises. So that was basically a cruise every other month. So I was either on a cruise or, you know, planning my next cruise or, you know, looking back on the cruise that I just took and sorting the pictures and editing the videos for you fine people. Uh, and so that was a great sort of mental health space to be in because there's always these positive things that are just going. Uh, and so that is that is a, a big breakdown of a lot of the different benefits of travel. The question is why, what makes you travel? And I think I explained some of that, but I think part of it is that I do feel like there's something that I, you know, to, to quote you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh, and I don't know what it is. And I think it's okay. I think it, I think it would almost be great if I never find whatever this is. I feel like I just want to keep looking and discovering and that there's something out there, something beautiful, wonderful. I don't know what it is. Um, that I, that I like, maybe one day I'll be like, wow, that was it. That was the thing. I don't know. And I've had moments like parasailing and going to Atlantis and a couple other things where it's just like, wow, concerts I've been able to go to that bordered on religious experiences because they were so fantastic. Uh, and, they, you know, they meant something to me emotionally. There's so many different things. Um, but I like the idea that um, one, of, one, of, one of the best blessings I think I ever heard of uh, either for like the birth of a child or for somebody's birthday was something like, um, may you have everything that you want in life except for one thing. So you always have something to strive for. And the thing is, you have like if you think about TVs and movies, there's no story without conflict. And so um, having everything that you want in life right there, um, is that a fulfilling life? I think that life is fulfilling in part by having a struggle that fulfills you, but that is something you have to work at. And so it could be uh, a, a goal that you know is impossible to reach. Uh, vacation impossible, I can appreciate that. Uh, so for example, I have a, a secondary YouTube channel called Small YouTubers Boost, where I'm trying to democratize YouTube a little bit. I'm trying to make it so that um, people are successful on YouTube, not because they know something technical that somebody else doesn't know, but because they put in the effort, they have the creativity, the talent, the jokes, whatever it is, the writing ability. And like, I, I would like to level that playing field a little bit. I'm one guy. That channel is like 700 subscribers. I don't think I'm ever going to accomplish it, but I find it fulfilling to help just one person or a handful of people or 700 people. They all watch the video or something that I put out on that channel. Uh, and so that gives me a sense of fulfillment and it gives me something to strive towards. And thankfully, again, first world problems, it's not striving on a survival subsistence basis. So I would love if everyone could travel, but not if it threatens your security or subsistence. Uh, and so I would love to say that Vacation Impossible is for everyone. But honestly, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, um, maybe if we can entertain you, that's great. But in terms of trying to follow our advice, if we, hey, if you can save money in your life, that's good. But, um, you know, trying to go on a cruise when you're in that situation isn't practical. Uh, and so, you know, we will be here for you when you're ready, if you're not yet. Uh, and maybe in the meantime, yeah, maybe you find us entertaining so you can get something out of it that way. But, um, you know, we're not, we're 
we're not we don't appeal to everybody. We don't really target children, for example. Uh, so when we look at our analytics on YouTube, we don't have a viewership younger than 18. We just don't like it doesn't even register, not even 0.1%. Uh, and that's okay. We understand that we, we, you can't be all things to all people. Uh, so primarily we target, you know, adults with at least some measure of disposable income and some freedom to travel. Um, but yeah, still haven't found what I'm looking for. And, uh, I don't think that's a curse. I think it's a blessing. I think that can be a good thing. Uh, so... Uh, we've got some Carnival Cruise news. Um, you may have already heard it, but I just want to cover the topic. So Carnival Cruise Lines has made a change. They are changing from Coca-Cola products to Pepsi products. And I am a huge fan of Pepsi, so I'm kind of happy about that. For the most part. Uh, let me first uh, read the statement that was issued by John Heald, and then we can dive in. So here's what it was. It was Carnival Cruise Line selects PepsiCo as preferred beverage partner. Carnival Cruise Line will begin serving PepsiCo products in January 2020. Right after <laughs> our next cruise. So we definitely got to get booked again to see what this implementation is like. Because I And as we go through, you'll see we, I've got some questions. So this was announced on November 13th of 2019 uh, in a place called Purchase, New York. Interesting name for a place. But I'm in Paradise, Nevada. So, you know, whatever. Uh, they call it Las Vegas. But I believe the municipality is actually called Paradise. So, okay, Vegas. You're a little confident there. Maybe overconfident. I don't, I don't know. This is fun. I don't know if I'd call it Paradise. Um, but anyways... Um, so anyways, PepsiCo Inc. is partnering with Carnival Cruise Line, the world's most popular cruise line. That's true. They have the largest fleet to become the preferred beverage partner for its North American fleet. So I suppose this isn't impacting the Australian fleet. So that's an important thing to note. Uh, beginning in January 2020, Carnival Cruise Line will begin serving a variety of beverages from the PepsiCo portfolio, featuring premier brands from Starbucks ready to drink coffee to fast growing bubbly sparkling water, which I am not a fan of personal taste thing. If you like it, all the more power to you. You may have my allotment. <laughs> you may have my quota. I am not interested in the bubbly. Uh, not that kind of bubbly. All right. So when the transition is complete, Carnival guests will have a broad selection of beverage choices from iced tea, sparkling water, coffee drinks, and sports drinks to juices and soft drinks, including an array of low calorie and no sugar options. So what I find interesting there is the inclusion of iced tea, because um, oftentimes with the American definition of iced tea, it's unsweetened. So this is like literally tea that has been cold, like chilled, uh, you know, with like potentially ice cubes and, you know, uh, uh, like some lemon flavoring. Um, sort of like that's how you'd make it at home. And like I grew up on a little bit of that as a kid. So, you know, I can kind of appreciate it. Um, but in terms of the prepackaged stuff, uh, it doesn't really do it for me. If it's prepackaged stuff, I like like, you know, the nest tea, the stuff that has, you know, um, uh, it has some sugar to it. Um, so I'm wondering the iced tea on the ship I don't currently like. My son Julian is great at creating Arnold Palmer's, which is a 50-50 mix of iced tea and lemonade because those are both things on the ship. Uh, neither of them on their own, honestly, do I think are very good, but he combines them with a little bit of sugar in a magical way. So like my 12-year-old son is my bartender <laughs> on the cruise ship when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, but because I don't like that iced tea, uh, you know, I do often get the, the bottomless bubbles and I have booked the bottomless bubbles for upcoming panorama sale. So um, that's nice to have that taken care of and <laughs> not have to worry about it. Um, so at Carnival Cruise Line, we invite our guests to choose fun. And now with PepsiCo's extensive portfolio brands, we're able to give them more ways to choose a beverage that suits their taste, mood, and preference. So it did include, for example, sports drinks. And so like, are we going to have like a Powerade type beverage that'll be available uh, and hopefully included in bottomless bubbles? Or maybe as a free option, maybe from like we have uh, right now with iced tea and lemonade, 
I think that would be that would be cool. That would be great if it was an expansion. PepsiCo's lineup of beverages will give our guests access to leading brands and growing non-soda categories like iced tea, juice, and sparkling water, as well as popular soft drink brands that consumers love. We're also excited to work with PepsiCo on our shared commitment to sustainability, including a reduced reliance on plastics and alternative ways to deliver and serve water and other beverages. Now, you notice I put some emphasis on certain parts there. Sustainability makes me wonder. Um, I had had a conversation during a Q&A session on the Carnival Breeze, I believe it was, with a the beverage manager. And I asked about Coke Freestyle machines. If you're unfamiliar with these, they are programmed and programmable um, fountain dispensers where you can have all sorts of flavor combinations. My personal favorite is a Raspberry Coke and a Peach Sprite. Those are both fantastic. But there's tons and tons of stuff and you can mix and combine and it's awesome. And I would love that to come to Carnival for a couple of reasons. One, the flavor combinations are outstanding. Two, and frankly, more importantly, I want self-serve soda options. I want it badly. They have self-serve beer. They have self-serve wine, but they don't have self-serve soda. Like, you need to control access to beer and wine more than you do soda because of age restrictions for one thing. Uh... As well, you know, um, how does a machine know when to cut somebody off if they've had too many? So clearly those are non-issues for them. Whereas with soda, if you have the Bottomless Bubbles program, you have to go up to the bar, wait your turn, show your card. They go and grab a can and they pour it and crush it and throw it in a thing, uh, you know, and, and then you're able to go on your way. And you get like, you know, they put a bunch of ice in it. They put a straw with a little thing on the top. You got to, you know, get rid of that and leave a mess. Uh, you probably, you know, you might get more or less ice than you want. So, you know, you might have to ask oh, a little ice, you know, and, you know, you're being difficult. And then, you know, and then there's the whole question of tipping, which I'm not going to get into in this video. Um, get at me in the comments if you want. Express your opinion down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, tell me all about that. Like if you use bottomless bubbles, do you tip every single time? Um, I'm not going to express an opinion there, um, partly because I'm actually inconsistent in that regard. But uh, let's leave that for the comment section for now. We might do a tipping video in the future, but I am just not brave enough yet. <laughs> There's a sensitive issue in this community, and I respect the fact that it's sensitive. So anyways, um, if there was self-service, I think this would be great for everyone. I think it's great for the customer because uh, hopefully it would be faster. It would be greater. It would be better for Carnival because they would have their staff not so busy. How many times I have to wonder? Do people think about going to buy that fancy cocktail, uh, and then they see the line and they say, "No, nah, that's okay. I'll have a water. I'll have a nice tea. I'll have a lemonade. Something that doesn't cost them anything and therefore doesn't benefit Carnival's bottom line." So I think by reducing the lines at the bar, they would improve uh, profits because I think they would sell more alcoholic beverages, which as I understand it, have a better profit margin, a better higher markup on them. Additionally, I think the staff, if they are serving more of those kinds of beverages, beverages that frankly take more work and artistry and effort than pouring a can into a cup, are more likely to get more tips. Carnival makes more money. Their employees make more money. The customers get more value out of their stuff. And also, I think, and here's where sustainability comes in. I imagine, my understanding is the canisters of syrup combining with, you know, the available water supply and stuff like that in those machines 
much better for the environment than cans these aluminum cans you know they have to mine the you know the ore and refine it and you know there is some recycling uh, but they also got you know there's the, there's the coloring and the printing on it and then the transporting of the can and it's transported like with mostly water in it because like beverages that we drink are mostly water so if you're able to just combine syrup on site with local water supply through ver reverse osmosis on the ship for example um, then, you know, the water isn't being transported. And so that reduces the carbon footprint. We're not moving the, as much aluminum. We're not moving as much water. We're able to get it down to its core so that less carbon is spent moving those things across the nation, maybe internationally even, depending on bottling and supply lines. Uh, and so... Also, I imagine that that further has a cost savings where they're not constantly loading cans on the forklift and everything else and the staff crushing them and throwing them in a thing and that thing has to go somewhere. Instead, you have canisters. You They would take up less space. Probably, you know, they would weigh less on average because the, the water's not there. Uh, there would be fewer of them. And I don't know about the maintenance of these machines. When I spoke with that beverage manager on the breeze, he did mention that they had to be secured in a particular way. But I also know that there are other cruise lines that should be remaining nameless that have Coke Freestyles on them. The technology exists. So it's out there. It's proven. It's doable. Uh, so what I'm my, my scream, my rant there is getting to is Pepsi does have their own programmable fountains. Now, I love Pepsi. I, I, I think it tastes better than Coke. That's my personal preference. You know, uh, let me know if I'm wrong in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, get me in the comments. Come at me. I don't care. Come at me, bro. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a matter of taste. I, I respect people having a different opinion there. I, I, I like having options. Um, but that having been said, I will definitely give it to Coke that their freestyle machine is leagues ahead of Pepsi's. Pepsi has like three flavors you can add. Lemon, strawberry, cherry, that's about it. And the flavors aren't even that great. I add a little extra lemon to something, I don't taste it that much. Uh, is cherry doesn't really taste like cherry sometimes, you know. Uh, the strawberry could be a little strawberry or it could be stronger, you know. Um, but at the same time, if it was, it's really about the self-service uh, more than the other th things. Um, but I think that would be great. Now, some people, uh, I've brought this up before, and in the comments and in Facebook groups, um, you know, they have mentioned that when they go to their local movie theater and they have the freestyle, they say they, there's a lot of like uh, flavor contamination. That has not been my personal experience. Uh, I haven't, I haven't experienced that at all, and I love these machines, so I go to them every chance I get. Um, but hey, if that does happen in some cases, oh, that could be a maintenance thing. They might need to clean the lines a little bit, but. Again, I think versus all the work that goes around those cans, um, that's that, that. I think it would be better all the way around. Um, but it's interesting that they mention plastic. They want to reduce the reliance on plastics. How much plastic is there in relation to those cans? They come out of 12 packs. Also 12 packs, really, not flats. Um, so like there's almost no plastic involved there. Maybe they plastic wrap like the um, the skids of them when they're like the forklift brings it on the ship. Other than that, I don't think there's a lot of plastic involved. Maybe they mean straws. Straws are a whole other thing. I hate paper straws. They dissolve. Who thought making a straw, a vessel to carry liquid, being something that can dissolve was a good idea? I'm all for the environment. Uh, you know, there's plant-based straws that could be biodegradable that you could use in this an alternative. Let's do that. Or let's find a way to recycle these straws. Uh, whatever of those two options is better for the environment, um, but paper straws suck. Uh, it, well, in fact, actually they don't because they lose their cohesion and you can't. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, pun not intended, but uh, I, I, I hate paper straws. I want to I save the environment, but um, it is a ticking time bomb. If I get a paper straw and I'm like, wow, this drink is too big. I cannot consume it before that straw dissolves. So I should have bought a smaller one. I should have spent less money, which means that the person that I'm buying it from, that company, organization, franchisee, whatever it is, makes less money. And so there's impacts in, you know, the financial economic side of things as well there little bit off topic but I'm excited about the possibility of maybe self-serve I really hope that uh, so uh, the the release continues uh, as they cruise Carnival Cruise Line guests will be able to enjoy some of their favorite PepsiCo brands such as Bubbly, Pure Leaf I don't like Pure Leaf very much myself I do like Pure Leaf more than the iced tea currently available on the ship though so maybe that's not so bad uh, that'd be a slight step up. Naked Juice, as I understand, that stuff's very healthy. Uh, and I think that'd be healthier than what's currently available. So from a health perspective, I believe that has less sugar, uh, more fiber, things like that. I think that's a great improvement. As a parent, I appreciate that. As a person who would like to get his weight a little bit more under control, I appreciate that option. Um, Gatorade, there we go. So I was talking about sports drinks, Gatorade, uh, Mountain Dew, Starbucks, Pepsi, Pepsi Zero Sugar, Sierra Mist, Sierra Mist Zero uh, Sugar, among others. Uh, our brands both celebrate having fun and offering something special for everyone, making PepsiCo and Carnival Cruise Line a great match, said Anne Fink, president of PepsiCo Global Food Service. We are excited to share the voyage as we create enjoyable, seamless experiences for Carnival Cruise Line passengers while they enjoy their fun vacations at sea and ashore. Uh, so as I understand it, there are a couple ports where um, one or two... Uh, where uh, Carnival actually has like um, food and beverage that they themselves serve on the shoreline. So I'm thinking that's maybe what they're referring to. Although I also wonder, maybe there's like vending machines in the ports, in the waiting areas. Maybe there'll be some options there. Uh, so that's an interesting thing to think about. As the world's most popular cruise line, Carnival Cruise Line annually sails more than 5.2 million guests. Its fleet of 26 ships will grow to 28 with the delivery of the Carnival Panorama, I can't wait, uh, in December 2019, and the Mardi Gras in August 2020. Maybe I should try and get on that. What do you think? Um... Yeah, so anyways, uh, it goes on from there uh, that John Heald kind of introduces his thoughts. Uh, one thing that people were freaking out about, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I'm not being critical by saying that. It's understandable. I had this concern. Uh, but people were worried, uh, understandably, that there would be a price increase on the beverages or the bottomless bubbles program associated with this because, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, there's a clip on YouTube you can check about the Bottomless Bubbles price, the second increase they did in almost as many years, well beyond what inflation would justify uh, to a ridiculous degree uh, as a percentage, as a dollar per day you know, amount, it doesn't sound that much, but as a percentage, that's when you realize this is borderline usurous. Um, I know usury is about borrowing money, but anyways, the point is the increases were ridiculous. And so I thought, oh, great, this is how they're going to get number three in. He explicitly stated that there is currently no plans to increase the price. Now, that phrasing is obviously very careful and very corporate because it says no plans. It doesn't mean they won't. They're not guaranteeing anything. But given how corporations um, need to be careful with their language, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, that he would have to phrase it that way because uh, what if, you know, five years from now they do it, you don't want somebody coming up and digging up a Facebook post from old 2019 and saying, John Heald said. Uh, so it's not a never thing. Um, and so I think that they hopefully learned their lesson uh, over the last couple increases. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd be curious to see if the sales of Bottomless Bubbles went up or down. Um, but anyways, I'm excited about it. I like Pepsi, and I think that anything that gives the potential for self-service soda options would make the cruising experience, again, 
better for the guests, more profitable for the company, and potentially it would actually improve tips for the staff. I think it's win-win-win and then a win for the environment as well. So let's go for self-service. <laughs> and so on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up this podcast. This is a slightly shorter one, just a little over an hour this time out. Um, but I am going to be appearing on uh, Ace of Vegas's podcast. So that will probably already have aired by the time that this comes out, but that's going to be this coming Sunday. I'm going to be interviewed uh, live on his YouTube channel, so you can go check that out if you're hankering for some Vacation Impossible podcast content. And of course, we will be absolutely doing a podcast on the Carnival Panorama come December. So feel free to send us your requests and your questions. We'll be happy to respond to all that we can. Uh, And again, check us out on our various social media platforms. Particularly, I'd like to recommend Instagram because we are going to be posting pictures of the panorama and those we can get out a whole lot faster than fully edited you know HD potentially 4k video uh, so if you want to see the very first looks of the panorama I recommend you follow us on Instagram you can get to see some cool stuff there and we do have a Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash vacationimpossible. If you join the Patreon, you get uh, special behind-the-scenes pictures that we don't post anywhere else. Uh, also travel pictures we don't post anywhere else. Um, on top of that, I have some uh, blog posts that you can only find on Patreon. And if you join Patreon, depending on what tier you're at, we have a $1 and a $3 tier. We have a discount code for our T-shirt. Not the one I'm currently wearing, but one that you can purchase from Teespring. So if you are at the $1 level, there's a code to save $1. If you're at the $3 level, there's a code to save $3. So functionally, your front, your first month on Patreon is free if you happen to be buying a t-shirt because you will save that money back on the t-shirt. Um, and so we're still figuring out exactly what we're going to be doing on Patreon. If there's more stuff that you want to see there, it's great. Uh, and so if you'd like to support us in that particular way, that is fantastic. Um, you know, the financial support is nice. It does make some of these things possible where we can invest in lighting and, you know, sound equipment and other things. We need to upgrade our camera equipment right now. We're working on GoPro three and four uh, and uh, an old Canon that we do uh, uh, camcorder shooting on uh, and my phone. Uh, And so there's limited opportunities to capture in 4K. Uh, So we want to move towards uh, natively capturing everything in 4K, but that can be expensive. Uh, So that's part of it. But also part of it is that, um, you know, we can speak a little bit more freely when we know who we're talking to. And so if I'm going to be writing a blog post and I'm like, oh, do I want to put this on our Tumblr? vacationimpossible.tumblr.com. There are blog posts there that are free for everyone. Um, Or is it something that maybe only our audience would care about? Like, is it not totally travel? Is it maybe a little behind the scenes? Is it maybe something that's just a little bit more personal, something I want to keep to a a closer audience? Uh, So if you want that kind of um, interactivity, opportunities to suggest topics and reach out to us, uh, it cuts through the signal to noise problem that sometimes happens on platforms like Twitter and YouTube. Uh, So it's a little closer relationship. And so really that's more what it's about. It's probably why the, the dollar figures are what they are, the one and the three dollar. So, with that in mind, thank you so much for tuning in, and um, we will see you again in December, and do please uh, subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We're on pretty much everything. If you have the ability on your podcast platform of choice to give us a review, that would be appreciated. If it's iTunes, whatever, uh, we really much appreciate the review. It means a lot to us. So thank you so much for watching. And this is Ray from Las Vegas signing off. We'll see you next time.